You ready? Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, Adam Roberts, and I'm here as always with my delightful husband, Craig Johnson. Hello. And um, this week's episode is a really cool one. I invited Esther Sang, who's a food writer here in L.A., um, over, and she writes for uh, the L.A. Times, and she writes for Food and Wine, and she writes for Eater. And we have a really great conversation, actually, about being a food writer and how you, how you make money as a food writer, which... Funnily enough, I, I I started my food blog in 2004, and I still can't answer that question of how, like, how people support themselves as food writers. So that's a really fun part of the conversation. But since I'm here with Craig at the beginning, I thought one thing we could talk about is money and just in general, like spending money on food. And last night we went to this restaurant. Remember this restaurant we went to last night called Bar Restaurant? Yeah. And the cocktails were like, what, like $16 a cocktail? Which is not expensive by L.A. standards, which is strange because it sounds expensive when you say it. But, you know, most places I feel have like $16 cocktails but you were, in, a, in a major metropolis. But when we were there, you were really put off by the fact they were $16. Oh, there well, was like one that was more expensive. One was even more than that. Yeah, when you start getting into like $20, you just... I, I was making a comment last night about how when you look at the bill at the end of the night, and you're like, my God, yeah. how do we end up? Well, I, a good, you know, close to half of that is probably the alcohol. Totally. But, you know, it's it's funny because I think I used to, I remember like when I was in grad school at NYU, I would like walk past nice restaurants and be like, oh, one day I'll be able to go to like Babo and one day I'll be able to go to Blue Hill and stuff. And then you kind of get into your 30s and you start making money. And it's sort of, you know, the idea of like spending money on, on nice restaurants to some people is is an outrageous notion. It's like, why would you spend money on a nice meal? But Or it's like a special occasion, for, I think, for a lot of people. Special occasion. But for other people, it's like, I, I've always felt, look, I don't do like drugs. I don't, I don't like, you know... <laughs> Buy like huge electronics. I don't drive a Ferrari. It's so, your it's your indulgence. Well, yeah. it's also your profession. I mean, it makes sense it, th- th- that you spend money on food. But I guess the question is like, is it gross to spend a lot of money on food? Um, gross. Well, I mean, like in the world, knowing people are starving, knowing people are suffering. Oh, you mean like ethically? Yeah. Is it wrong to go out and spend like money on food? On like indulgent meals and fancy ingredients no, and good olive oil. Not, no, no, Why not, not? The, not the simple principle of it. Um, I mean, no, the principle itself I don't think is ethically uh, wrong because because you know you can't. It's what is it moral relativism about like well yes you could be uh, you know right. working in the Peace Corps you could be volunteering your your time it it's. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't equate in that in that way. That's true, but I, that- I guess I guess for me sometimes though it's sort of like even with lunch. I mean, this is a relevant thing for this podcast. It's like I'll go out to uh, like I went today to this place called Honey High in Echo Park, and I had a salad for lunch. And you know, there was like homeless people walking by outside. Salad cost sixteen dollars, and it's sort of like. That felt well, maybe that's too much for right. No, it felt ridiculous. I was embarrassed for myself, but I actually had this whole process playing out in my head because the salad itself was beautiful. Like they made the most beautiful salad, and the, and the, and the lettuces were like from the far. There was like these little gem lettuces and these um, blood oranges and roasted pistachios, and it was just so beautifully made. And oh, sliced fennel. And I, I actually really did have this internal debate in my head: like, is, am I a bad person for spending that money on the salad? Um, but at the same time, it's like it's our money to spend. It's sort of you know. 
Well, well, you have to do you have to do the own kind of math in your head is what is it worth to you? Is it worth $16 to have a very, you know, well put together, deliciously, you know, with fresh ingredients and uh, wonderful flavors? Is that worth $16? And if it is, then then the, then it's and you can, you know, you've worked hard to save up the money to to pay for it, then there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, it was interesting because I don't mean to bring up the negative comments that we get on our podcast uh, comments page, but somebody very early on talked about the major privilege that is going on on this podcast, which I thought was very interesting because I was like, oh, I guess we sound. Very- I think there's truth to that. Yeah, I think I think it's a given. I uh, you know that that we're 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 two you know gay men in our forties who don't have kids. Um, who value food. It's all about your, your, just like, what is important to you? You mm-hmm. know, like for you, it's important to go and eat lunch out. Right. I, it, I think it gives you something to write about and something to photograph, put on your Instagram. And it's kind of part of your, li- your livelihood. For me, I, I love to save money at lunch. So I love like eating leftovers. Like right. I think for, we've been together 14 years and I'm not sure I've ever seen you eat leftovers for lunch. Whereas I will always eat our leftover dinners for lunch. I'm not saying that makes me more morally no. superior to you. It's just, um, I feel good because I can save a little bit of money that way. But you've always had an, an, an a relationship to lunch where like if food is placed in front of you and you, you can just like shovel it into your mouth, like you'd be perfectly happy to move on with your day as long as yeah, it's something. Yeah, tr- it's true. Whereas for me, I mean, it was sort of when Ruth Reichel was on this podcast, she talked about lunch being this moment in your day that's sacred where you, you take the time to really enjoy yourself and, and check, you know, ha- check out for a little bit. And, and that's, that's really how I think of it. I mean, I try to write all morning and then I go to the gym and then I go to lunch, but I don't go to like, you know, I actually I was at my worst when I was in my twenties. I would I would go out in New York when I was living in New York, and I was you know I would go out to places like Pearl Oyster Bar or something when I probably shouldn't have been doing that at all with my meager food blogger salary. And I well, would, no, and we would go through plenty of periods where we didn't have any money. No, <laughs> and maybe it's because you went to Pearl Oyster Bar a few <laughs> and, times. And that for lunch. was like truly indulgent. But I don't know. I mean, look, I guess my attitude about it is if you can, is your attitude like I'm not a heroin addict? Yeah, uh, I'm not. You know, well, it makes you think a lot about fashion like it makes me think about people who go like we have friends that go to like opening ceremony and buy clothes everybody has their thing yeah everybody has their indulgence everybody has their like thing they spend their money on that they probably shouldn't um or or it's a place where they could save money but it's important to them and enhances their quality of life but i guess the privilege part of it all is like oh that must be nice to be in a position in the world where you can even choose to spend your money on lunch that some people don't even get to have that choice like i think it's about acknowledging the privilege of it all. Absolutely. And acknowledging your blind spot sometimes as you're talking. I would would say that there should be the presumption doing a podcast about food and food writing and going to nice restaurants that there is implied in that a lot of privilege. Yeah. But at the same time. And some entitlement maybe too. Right. I mean, it's strange too because it's sort of like, it makes me think of just being a creative person and being in the arts. I mean, is there privilege and like, Making and collecting art is their privilege, and writing novels for a living. I mean, like you know, it's all case by case. Because I guess I think of, I do think of eating good food as like engaging in culture. Like I think it's about taking in culture, and you know, even looking at Ruth Reichel's Instagram. Look at it. Look at it this way: good food, well prepared, costs money. 
And think of the the support you're giving to an entire restaurant staff, Absolutely. to the wait staff, to these people whose livelihoods depend on it. You know, if if the to, to the farmers that grew this, uh, you know, whatever bespoke artichoke or whatever <laughs> bespoke it is, bespoke artichoke is a good name for a band. <laughs> um, you know what I mean, though, yeah. right? And and so. Right there, there, you know, you can make an ethical argument that you are really. I think about that sometimes. I'm a filmmaker, and I, I sometimes feel like very lucky and privileged to be able to do what I, I do. And then some, but when I really feel good, it's like sometimes, you know, I am directing a movie, and there's like 120 people employed because of the existence of this movie, and and you feel good about that, you know. Uh, and it's also like we worked hard. I mean, you didn't, you weren't born into, you know, being a food writer, like a, like a, like a, like a quote unquote, like rich kid is born into having money. You were a talented writer and you worked hard at it and you earned your place at the table, literally, mm-hmm. as well as figuratively. Wait, I didn't get the, the filmmaking thing about the 120 people though. What was the connection between that and the, food? Oh, that the movie that I'm directing, that, that I wrote and that I'm directing, yeah. um, is, 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 um, which kind of, you know, feels like a, a a privileged position, you are, you know, employing all these other people. It's like you paying for a meal, maybe overpaying for a meal. Right. You're you're supporting all these people by doing so it. So in doing something that's is seemingly indulgent, which is like writing a screenplay or going out to lunch, it might you're actually creating something that might feed the economy and help lots of people. Yes, that's it. <laughs> okay. Sorry well, if that wasn't clear. No, but, that makes a lot of sense. Does that make sense? No, it does. I, I was trying to make a comparison between you. No, I, I knew you were, but I just didn't understand the, com- I didn't get like what. I probably didn't, I wasn't as articulate as I No, could. you're very articulate. Oh, um, well, before we get to our interview, I just want to remind you all that if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast by typing in lunch therapy and Apple podcasts and clicking subscribe. And while you're there, if you can write a nice review, um, I'd really appreciate it. All right. Well, without further ado, here's my interview with with Esther Sang. Here we go. Well, Esther, it's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. I feel like we're both patrons of the same coffee shop. Do you go to Dinosaur Coffee? A ton. Yeah. <laughs> and I see your tweets about going there, but I don't, I don't, I mean, and I follow I you, but I don't know like who to like greet because I'm like, wait, wait. No, I, totally. Yeah. Because also, I had an avatar, like a cartoon thing. Oh, yeah, you were a cartoon so for a while. So it was hard to tell. I mean, not that it mattered what I looked like, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really nice to meet you. Nice and to meet you. I was doing my research before you came over, and you, you're really a prolific food writer here in L.A. I mean, you write a lot about, about a lot of stuff. Yeah, I do. You just wrote about brick bread. What was it called? Brick toast. Brick toast. So what is brick toast? Oh, my gosh. It's... Um, so you'll find it here in LA at like boba shops, sometimes the Taiwanese boba shops. And then um, it's basically like pandemi bread, like white bread, you know, like Japanese bread. And it's like cut up. Uh huh. And then it's dressed up. Like, oh, it's basted with like a butter, like, you know, thing and then toasted. Uh-huh. And then it's like, yeah, presented really like, you know, with ice cream or oh syrup or fruits. It looked like really good. Yeah. So did, do you mostly do food journalism, would you say? Like like reporting about things? Yeah. As opposed to, I guess, criticism? or Yeah, exactly. That's great. Not so much criticism, but I mean, it, I guess it all is kind of criticism in a way, but, you know, not... 
I, that's not, I'm not a critic, no. Right. But you are, <laughs> but you've written for the LA Times, for Eater, yeah. for all kinds of things. So, yeah. And is this, was this what you always wanted to do with your life or was that? No, I, <laughs> I had no idea. Okay. I had no idea. I thought, so I have a nine to five. Oh, that's your dirty. Wow, we're, we're only one minute in, and you've already like revealed I went, your. I I'm as transparent about this as I can be. I've decided. Okay. Because people just need to know, sure, you know, where we are, and it's also like I don't want to do a disservice and like play my life up. Yeah. To a point where like admire me, but being like it's basically being untruthful if you don't. Well, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, there are, there are food writers, I won't name names, who are like, it's totally possible to have a career as a food writer and there's lots of money in it. And it's like, is there? Because I, you know, I mean, I would love to see a study of like how many food writers come from wealthy families. I know that's very controversial, but yes, I, think, I, yes. I think there's something to that, though, because... I personally don't know how anyone really supports themselves. I'm nodding this. my head. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for saying that. I'm um, nodding my head. Wait, so can I ask you what your nine to five job is? Yes. It's in finance. It's in retail finance. Like Re- I'm a series seven licensed. I can like trade, you know, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, stuff like that. Oh my God. You could teach me so much because I am so terrible at all of that. Yeah. My dad put my bar mitzvah money in Fidelity. Okay. And, and to this day, like, I still have access to it, and I don't understand, like, what I'm doing. I will totally help you out. You will? Yeah. Maybe we should just, like, stop this and make this a financial <laughs> podcast. Wait, so, okay, so you work a job nine to five. Yeah. And then when you're done with your job, you go and then do food writing? Yes. Okay. I do food writing. I um, I do research for the food writing. Okay. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, at this point in time, I've been writing more than I ever have at for other people at any other time. I used to blog a lot. So, And was your blog S-Star LA? Yes. E-Star LA. It was. Now it's back. It's pushed back, pushed back to the archives. Oh, That's okay. my blog now. And the last post is like 2016 or 17. I tried to revive my blog not too <laughs> long ago. You. But then I stopped because it was a little depressing. It just, it's hard. It's like a lone post. Yeah. It feels like you're like blogging in a vacuum. Or in it's a like, fort. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like nobody. Now yet. read this post. Yeah. <laughs> After you haven't liked. But with Instagram and stuff, it's like immediate reactions and immediate totally. likes and immediate gratification. Yeah. Which is what I think everyone ultimately wants in this It's only. Business. Yeah. It's easier, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, maybe they don't ultimately want gratification, but I, I mean, it's nice to have your they work do. acknowledged in some way. Actually. Yeah. So are you, I mean, were you, I have so many questions about like how you yeah. got into all of this. Like, how did you start writing about food? Uh, so I had, so I kind of came on not even from the writing side. I okay. came in from the internet side. Oh, sure. I feel like I'm a, a direct product of being an Xennial and maybe like Generation X and Millennial, kind oh. of at that cusp. Am I that? I was born in 1879. What do you Me think? Me too. Oh, we're exactly the same we're age. We're exactly the same. Oh, I'm an Xennial? Yeah, oh. because you're Generation X. You're still solidly an X. Yeah. And then I think, I mean, it's it's kind of like an overlap, I guess, a Venn diagram of the last of X and the beginning of Millennial. But like, that's like, I, it was, it's kind of like an internet thing. So I was on like, Zanga at one point. Oh wait, what's I don't even know what Zanga. I know, I, I know, I remember like a, 
Prodigy, and I remember AOL. Right. It's like a live journal, actually. Oh, but so you a had lot, a live, live a lot, journal? Oh, yeah, it was like that kind of network, but a lot, kind of chintzier than live journal. Live journal is actually kind of nice. <laughs> oh, so what, what were you writing about? On so, Zenga? like that, I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you would just like share everything in your yeah, life? Yeah, it, I think like um, everyone that graduated college around that time kind of had a blog to keep. You know, inside the same network, and sure. that happened to me Zanga with like my UCLA friends or mm-hmm. whatever, and we would all kind of update. Oh, you know, and that's yeah. But were you writing like I had a bad date last night, or I hate my you, parents, or like that kind of stuff? Kind of, uh, but it was anonymous. Like it was know like who you were? there was the um, the audience online was so sl- you know what I mean. It it was so um, the sample was so selective and not. Internet wasn't available to everybody at that uh, time. You know what I mean? Okay. So you you could like, like your work to, had no regulations, right. right? You felt safer to just put things out exactly. there. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I know what you're Fewer consequences. About. Well, I mean, I remember when I was at college that we had a thing called Learn, Learn Link. Yeah. Which was sort of just like, it looked like kind of like AOL or whatever, the little folders and stuff. And, and you could write little things on there and like mm-hmm. write about your professors or whatever. And, and, and I started one yeah. on there called the Adam zone. That was just for my friends. Yeah. Similar to what you're talking about. And totally. we were all just like, right. And that was sort of the beginning for me too, exactly. I guess for you too, like about blogging and stuff. Right. It was kind of like from the chat rooms. Ah. You know what I mean? I descend it kind of like a, the evolution of the social internet. But how did you transition from that into writing about food? I, I realized it was getting really juvenile, oh. uh, but I still wanted to write. Okay about something interesting to somebody out there. So okay. I I decided I needed a moniker, like a, you know, and I came up with E-Star LA. Because your name is Esther. Yeah. E-Star is kind of a way that my, my dad saying my name would kind of come out. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. E-Star. Okay, yeah, I get that. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. that's where it is. So you started writing about food on yeah. E-Star LA. Yeah, bought my own domain. I oh. I. Dated a web developer. Yeah. At the That's time. very smart. It's so funny. People are like, "How did you break into TV writing?" I'm like, "I married a filmmaker." It's there like, you go. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But it's Thank like, you. how do you break into um, being yeah. a writer? It's or a web personality. It's like exactly. you need a developer. Yeah, and and at that time, a lot of the blogs yeah. when blogs first came out, it was developers having blogs blogging about. Blogging. Uh-huh. <laughs> Blogging exactly. about developing, right? Right. I mean, I never understood any of that. I was always at the mercy of whoever I was working with. Exactly. And I used to work with this guy that was also running Eater. Like, he, I won't yes. say his name, but I mean, he's a friend. <laughs> but I mean, I would right. I would bug the crap out of him because I'd be mm-hmm. like, hey, I know you have to like run Eater, but can you like fix this little thing on my, you know. And, Since you know how. Yeah. And I had no idea. But did you exactly. ever learn how to do all like the back end stuff? Uh, it's like he set it up for me. Oh, he, yeah. You that's know? the best. Yeah. Well, that's like this podcast. Like, I, I had somebody come. He was great. Yeah. And he set up all this stuff, and I just hit record, and I hope for the best. See? There you go. <laughs> yeah. But wait, so you started writing on E-Star LA. Yeah. But when did it start k- getting noticed and well, traction? Well, I mean, I actually, it was, I didn't know really how, like, the impact was. It was just a totally gradual thing and an organic thing in that, like, I started getting PR invites. Oh. And I was like. Oh, so you're inviting me to go in and try your stuff. Which I want to ask you about because as, <laughs> yes, a, as a food blogger, like I used to get, I mean, I, I took free trips. I did all absolutely. of that. But I would always feel a little weird about it because I always felt like, am, always. I, am I supposed to say this was great? The always. weirdest one I ever went on, and I should probably be careful what I say because I 
did this trip. So hopefully nobody's really listening to this. Um, <laughs> but it was such a weird trip. I, I mean, I have to be very careful what I say. But I got I took a free trip to New Orleans. Yes, that was sponsored by the by the seafood industry, the Louisiana <gasps> seafood industry. Yes, after the BP oil spill. Oh shoot. And so I didn't put it all together at the time. I told Craig, I was like, we, we, we got invited on a free trip to New Orleans. But when we were on the trip, like we were all the food bloggers were taken to like, you know, crabbing facilities. And like and and to be fair, like the, the whole industry was like threatened because people weren't Absolutely. trusting Louisiana seafood. So this was a That's good the reason time to do it. But at the same time, it was like we were eating like oysters out of the water and they were telling <laughs> us it's safe. And I'm like, I wonder like how safe it really was. But I have to be careful what I say. Exactly. So I no, took a free trip you. to New Orleans. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you do, you, do, you do kind of stuff, you do like sponsored content? Um, I actually, I I will do it if it's the right fit. Yeah. But I'm not geared towards that. I feel like if you don't seek it out, yeah, it comes, so it'll, it'll come by, I've probably done three sponsored posts yeah. in like however, like whenever Instagram's been on Android. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's like, it circles back to the beginning of our conversation, which is like, it's impossible to be. So, to make money as a food writer so it's like right so if you do have these things come along it's sort of hard to say no exactly yeah yeah no yeah there's definitely a balance and then the thing is is that i do have the freedom since i pay bills with this other nine to five right so it gives you the opportunity to say yeah. no when you, need, when you want to yeah so it's definitely coming from a privileged point of view you know yeah. like where i can i have the freedom to yeah like kind of balance you're in a, yeah, you're in a perfect position. You're making yeah. your money elsewhere, and now yeah. you can do this for the love of doing it. Yeah, totally. Well, Esther, I didn't tell you how this works, but maybe you already knew. But the first 10 minutes were just friendly banter. Okay. And now I'm going to ask you what you had for lunch. Okay. And then I'm going to psychoanalyze you based on, on what you ate. That's right. For 50 okay. minutes. I did my homework. I know. I knew this part was coming. Okay. <laughs> so what did you have for lunch today? I had a refrigerated pizza from Vaughn's. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I that I heated back up in our toaster oven at work. <laughs> I love that. That yeah. was so like unexpected because I thought you were going to be, <laughs> be eating somewhere glamorous. I mean, all, everyone who follows Esther knows that she's always <laughs> eating amazing meals. Right. So refrigerated pizza at work. Yeah. In the, heated in the toaster. Heated in a toaster oven at okay. four hundred degrees, thirteen minutes. From um, yeah. Did it smell up the office? Um. Sm- like people think thought it smelled good. Oh yeah, but is that, is that that's also problematic though, right? Because people then get jealous that you have something that smells good. Or yeah, no. So that also there's this funny thing where um, you kind of don't want to like. There's a phantom person who eats food in the refrigerator. Oh, of course, every <laughs> office has that. Yeah, right. Yeah, or it'll literally take a bite out of the communal bagels and then put it back. Somebody in your office does that? Somebody in my is office. Is it you? It's not me. I'm going to I'm gonna get to the heart of this I by know. the end. I think it is you. Yeah, right? I think that's my first instinct. <laughs> um, okay, refrigerated pizza. So, okay, so I guess I, the I first- I know, that's the, not very glamorous. No, but I, hey, there's no judgment here. Okay. I'm just a therapist. I'm a lunch therapist. But yes. I want to ask you, in terms- I, I, I already get a sense that like there's like work and then there's play, right? There's right. That, like with you, it's like you have your job where you make money, you eat refrigerated pizza, and yeah. then the job is over, and then right. you get to go to the great restaurants, to great trips and stuff. It is, and it is the perfect dine because it literally, unlike a lot of other things, uh, a lot of a lot of other jobs, it does stop at four. Yeah, you know, and four is even like it's early. Yeah, that's a great time to it's stop. It's a great time. But do you? I guess I would ask, like, do you? Um, 
treat work as work in terms of how you eat at work? Like, is, oh. is, is it a place where you would have like a pleasurable meal? Would you bring leftovers from yes. Spago to work or something? I, I've done, I've actually done that. Oh, you have done that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like you like, are pizza. eating a refrigerated pizza every day. No, this is to fill in the gaps. I see. Yeah. And like, I'm in a writing period. So um, I kind of hunker down and not maybe not go out as much. Yeah. <laughs> a writing period for like the food work you're doing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you have to balance it you know and i get a few words here and at the office too. by the way what kind of what kind of frozen pizza was it it was well it was kale mushroom okay but what brand was it it was some i have no idea what the brand was you got it from vons i got it from vons now i live behind vons you live behind vons, like in the alley behind vons they directly but yeah okay um but i guess I, i'm curious like when you eat a frozen pizza from Vons yeah. and you taste it, yeah. is it as pleasure, pleasurable to you as when you go to something more highfalutin? Like, is it, yeah. do you enjoy it just as much? I kind of do. Yeah. Because it just tastes like something regular and normal. Or- yeah, I need the normal. I have, I'll go to like Daiso and like the, all the instant ramen. <laughs> Wait, what's Daiso? Oh, Daiso is like the Japanese dollar store, except oh. it's. 150 okay and then you can go there's different thresholds so there's three dollars things that are four dollars but they're never like that expensive so they'll have like random instant noodles oh that are like different flavors or like a different kind of noodle uh-huh it's kind of great so got it yeah. so it's, there's, there's not a snobbery to what you do no yeah you're no, just, you're, and I'm, I'm from the Midwest too. Oh, okay. Well, we should probably get into all of that too. So, wait, where are you? Where are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm from the suburb called New Berlin. Called where? <laughs> New Berlin. New Berlin, Wisconsin. New Berlin, Wisconsin. It's a suburb of Milwaukee, so it's in Waukesha County, barely. So you grew up in cold weather. I grew up in cold weather. Okay. Where were your parents from? Taiwan. They're from Taiwan. Yeah. Okay. So did they, were you a first generation American? Yeah. So, well, my understanding is that the immigrants are the first generation. Oh, right, right. Okay. So, and then my brothers were only like two or three when they immigrated. So that makes them one and a half. And then I'm a supposedly second generation. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So what brought your parents from Taiwan to New Berlin, Wisconsin? Exactly. <laughs> no, I, mean, I think you would have some more of an answer than I would. I know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, they so they ended up in Kansas actually. Okay. And then my dad finished his school, his PhD there, and then he went to San Francisco, and then I went to Wisconsin where I was born. And he's a a medical researcher. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So he came to, and did they dream of coming to America? I mean, was that the was that always the plan for I, them? I guess so. Yeah. I think. Um, I think a lot of Taiwanese aspire to come to to the United States, or maybe not a lot of them. Maybe it's just because they're my parents right. <laughs> that they're well, everyone to me. <laughs> yeah, um, and so they came. And so did they speak English, or did they have to learn it? My mom actually taught English right. in Taiwan, but you know, so my dad um, had longer longer way to go. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, like I've I've always you know, been kind of relieved in Wisconsin that my mom's English was very good. You know, yeah. she's even getting onto like, you know, getting the American accent and everything, you know, so. Now use the word relieved. So yes. was, was there stress about growing up in America and having Taiwanese parents? Oh, yeah. I want to sure. hear, hear more about that. <laughs> See, I, I knew I needed to burrow into your hey, psychology. Yeah, uh, I'm here. I'm yeah. here for your, for the, my session. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, okay, great. Yeah, I want to hear about that. That's yeah. No, I was, um, 
Uh, my graduating high school class, it was one of two Asians. Okay, out of how many? 400. Okay. Yeah. And, and so Wisconsin in particular was not a yeah. very diverse place, I imagine. No, yeah. no, very segregated. And, um, and like, yeah, barely any minorities. And then, um, yeah, what else, what else about that? Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, but you said you were relieved that your mom oh, could speak some relieved. English. Oh, relieved, yes, yeah, sorry, so, thank you. So were there moments for you where oh, you were yeah. self-conscious of, Very, your, of your parents? And it was also, like, East RLA comes from kind of reclaiming my being embarrassed about my dad's yeah. accent. Even just when he said my name. Right. You know, I'd be like, you know, I'd be at cross-country, and then, like, he'd yell across, you know, the field, and then... People would mock him. Oh, that's interesting. You know? Okay. And then you're just like, um, you know, you're so embarrassed, you know, at the time. Well, I, I think a very natural question about this yeah. would have to do with food. Because yes. did your parents make Taiwanese food at home? And, yeah. And how did you feel about that? Um, you know, it's one of those things where um, I kind of secretly liked it. I didn't like all of it. But when I liked it, I really liked it. What were some of the dishes they made growing up? So my mom would make bazang, which is like in Chinese, like zong, you know, it's like a, a, a rice ba- wrapped, in ba- wrapped in bamboo. It's often sticky rice. Yum. And then there's like um, cubes of beef and like an, a, a, you know, a tea egg and uh, woodier mushroom and mm-hmm. bamboo and some that dried shrimp. Delicious. There. Yeah. Can really you get good. that in LA? Yeah, you totally can. They're like a great to go lunch thing. Like ladies out of Taiwanese churches will sell frozen batang to people and people pay like two bucks Is each or three bucks each. B A T A N? B A H and then space T Z A N G. Oh, I'm going to, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe can, I'll go with you and we'll go get some. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love and, that. And at dim sum, they have their own version too. They might okay. be a little more like, like a rectangular than, than triangular. Do you have a favorite dim sum place in LA sidebar? Oh man. <laughs> So I don't like to fight the crowds. Yeah. Um, and then it depends on if I want cart or ordering. Okay. So those are the that's how I delineate dim sum. If I want a like old school cart place, I'll go to Capital. Okay. Um, seafood, and then um, and then for ordering, if I want fresh, I generally I like Kinghua a lot. Okay. A lot, so. Well, we'll have to do that too. Yeah, definitely. Wait, so how would you distinguish Taiwanese food mm. from other, you know, Asian cuisines? Like, what yeah. makes, what makes it unique? A lot of them, um, you know, dishes overlap. I think when you just when you go to say like Joy or Pine and Crane, mm-hmm. or when they have the beef noodle soup and the combination of things, there it's the combination of dishes make them like a beef roll, you know. Because if you go to a dumpling place, it's kind of hard, hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> Everybody wait, so has is, dumplings. Is Pine and Crane a Taiwanese restaurant? Yes. Oh, we order from there every week. Oh, it's just yes. so good. It's so good. It's one of the most delicious And you've got meals. Joy over here you yeah. know, in Highland Park. That's so true. It's so good. Okay, wait. We have to go back to your psychology yeah. though, and your childhood. So you grew yes. up in this house, but it's with food and your parents being Taiwanese and you maybe wanting to assimilate more. And totally. So you were, you were anxious to sort of be more American. Yeah. And, and did that stay with you or did that go it away did. over time? Uh, oh no! Oh, so I I reject. I, it's kind of funny because I chose to UC, go to UCLA. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I just wanted to basically jump in the other side of the pool mm-hmm. and 
If you don't know already, UCLA is like 40%, maybe even 50% by now, Asian. Really? <laughs> the so you, student body. So you got, so part of the draw of UCLA was mm-hmm. that you were you wouldn't be one out of 400 <laughs> exactly. people that were, it was, that's when you got there, was, did you suddenly feel at home? I didn't. Oh, interesting. Why not? I, it's funny. I, I mean, I say this a lot, but like when I was in Wisconsin, I wasn't white enough. When I came to UCLA, you know, it's a microcosm of LA. When I came to UCLA, I wasn't Asian enough. Really? So how, <laughs> like, how do you mean that? Because like, because it is a state school, you know, you've got a lot of um, uh, people at UCLA who, you know, they're, they were able to get in. And a lot of, a lot of the Asians maybe grew up in Asian communities, mm-hmm. but a lot did, haven't, you know, so it's, but there's definitely an Asian American culture that I needed to catch up with. <laughs> Wow, I, that's fascinating. I don't think I've ever heard yeah. anyone like talk about that or write mm-hmm. about it. But so how did you catch up? What, what did you have to do? You know, literally, um, I wasn't given a car until I was like in my last year okay. of college. So it was like, um, you know, you gotta make friends with cars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Let's go to Monterey Park, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I actually, to be quite honest, I just um, threw myself into like this um, student group that, you know, it has facets like political or whatever, but it was really pretty much a party group. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So you became a party girl? Kind of like a party girl, but like hopefully <laughs> somewhat well-rounded. <laughs> Wait, so how did you, like when, when you say a party girl, I mean, were you going to like frat parties? Were no, you... we weren't going to frat parties. We were just like holding parties and then uh-huh. we would have like, we would, you know, we do firecracker run. We do. Really? Yeah, we do thought, some you... political events. We would go, you know. Wait, what's a firecracker run? Oh, so, um. Chinese New Year, uh, sorry, Lunar New Year. Yeah. I'm saying Lunar New Year. Okay. Especially since I'm Chinese. Lunar New Year, um, every um, year at in Chinatown, there's like a 5K. I think oh. it's, a, it's a 5 and a 10K. And are there actual firecrackers involved? Yeah, you got a, um, a lion dance in the beginning, and then you do firecrackers, like, you know, like ah. a normal New Year, and then you do a run. <laughs> Wait, so I'm curious. So as you started to get... More, oh, I must knock my water over. Uh, <laughs> make these friends and start to assimilate, I guess, into the UCLA Asian culture. Yeah. What was it like going back home and visiting your family during that time? I mean, oh, I know. Did you feel like you were changing in a way that they didn't recognize? Um, yeah. But the thing was, I feel like it was the plan all along. Oh, for them I, or for you? For me, I needed it. I knew I was going to, uh, well, no, I didn't know. I think. I had a violin scholarship at Wisconsin that I didn't take, like, but when it came down to it, like, I thought I'd be good and save, you know, parents money and Mm -hmm. do this Wisconsin thing. Wisconsin's a great school. And then, um, and then I got the letter from UCLA and I was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I did it. And so, um, but I think I had known, so I just known all along that I needed to get out of there and like, explore and I had traveled more than my siblings just because I'm like the youngest Uh you know my parents had more you know time to travel and month and funds to travel so I was able to go along with them and when you when you travel and you see the world you and you live in Wisconsin you you know you're like what are the possibilities of what else is out there right well what are your parents or what did they think of Wisconsin when they got there I mean did they like it they like they're small town people okay you know so it kind of but um, and they were also very into assimilating, like mm-hmm. like um, we had to have a um, an American car. We couldn't have Japanese cars because 
that would be predictable. And oh, we fascinating. Would, we would get beat up, you know, like, really? like Vincent Chin in 1982 across the pond. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did that really happen? That really happened. Right. He's Chinese American. And, and he got beat up for driving it. For, no, no, no. He, he, he had um, encountered, I think, two Chrysler laid off workers who just lost their jobs. Oh. And they beat him up on his like, like, I think, bachelor outing and he died. Wow. And they got no time. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. So your parents um, tried to assimilate. I'm curious, did your, did they ever try to cook American food for you? Yeah. So we had links of bratwurst on the table next okay. to the batang, <laughs> next to the rice and like the clam soup, you know, which is Taiwanese. Like, so what kind of soup? Clam soup. Clam soup. Yeah. Like, clam, sort of like- and, clam and like winter melon. Wow. Yeah. You could, um, Joy will have it sometimes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So did your parents, did they enjoy American food? They got to like cheese. Can you believe we're Asian and out of our family of six, none of us are lactose intolerant. Oh, interesting. So like Wisconsin, like we've survived. <laughs> okay, right. Cause yeah, it's just like, oh wait, why is that relevant? Oh wait, yeah, Wisconsin. Lack yeah, of lactose yeah, all the cheese. So, yeah. But did, um, are your parents still around or they? They are, they are in the Bay Area now. <laughs> oh, they moved to the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. And do they share, do they get your interest in food? Do they? Un- no. They don't want to go with you to the places you go? Or? They're interested and they're curious because, yeah. you know, it's generated a lot of like a big, chunk of my life you mm-hmm. know it takes up a big chunk of my life but um they they're naturally like you know let's not wait too long in a line let's what's delicious right and they'll always have something to say about the meal which is kind of cool but so. when they come to visit you in la are you more likely to go to a taiwanese restaurant yes oh interesting because you want them to that. have something that they are just familiar to them yeah okay yeah but i've taken them to joy and pine and crane and they're like like the highest compliment my mom gave Vivian was like not like nothing about the food. She said Vivian is she's going to be very successful. <laughs> <laughs> really? So yeah. she was just like you know looking at all the the people lined up outside. Exactly. And, yeah. I mean, it is crazy how successful it is. It is great. Okay, so we set, we still have a lot to cover because we have to get from okay. UCLA to okay. your present life a yeah. little bit. So what did you major in at UCLA besides partying? Political science. Political science. <laughs> Officially. Okay. Yeah. And, and by the way, I was going to ask, like, did your brothers, you're one of six, you said? Four. One of four. Yeah. Did, oh, because there were six of you in the Sorry, family. Yeah, six okay. in the family. Um, did your brothers also leave Wisconsin or did they stay? They actually stayed for college. Okay. Um, and Yeah. And also, my um, second brother stayed for medical school. Okay. So, yeah, they all stayed. But then um, my oldest brother did come to L.A. right after college. And, like, I have two brothers also in the Bay Area. Or I should say, you know, San Francisco and San Jose. So the whole family is in California now? The whole family, except one brother is in California, and he's in Chicago. Oh, okay. Suburbs, yeah. What do your brothers do besides being, one's a doctor? Yeah, one's a doctor, one is a business owner. Okay. He was like first wave of Silicon. Gotcha. And optioned and cashed out. Okay. So he's. He's he, retired now. He's reti- he goes to the office twice a day, twice a week. Oh my gosh. And he's a piano dad. What's that? What's a piano dad? <laughs> he's a piano dad. He takes my nieces around to their lessons. Oh. You know, yeah. Make sure and, and competitions. Wow. And. 
Yeah. And you mentioned earlier you played the violin and could have gone to school for free for it. Yeah. Do you still play the violin? No. So I once a year. Okay. <laughs> Someone will need a, like a violinist for a wedding and be such a random thing. So it comes back to you. It comes back to me somehow. Wow. And was it classical? It was classical. I guess that's the only, I mean, Look violin. at me. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I play the piano, but I do, my, my dad taught me how to fake it. So yeah, like how to play great. by ear, but it's like, you know, p- people who are actual musicians who hear me play are like, oh, what's he doing? But like people who no. don't know are like, oh, you're amazing. That's but it, awesome. But it's kind of a totally different skill. It is a totally different skill. And that's more along the lines of like classicals on one end and improv. Impro- improvisation is on the other oh interesting you know it's like rule following versus like breaking the rules right and you're usually it's hard to find someone good at both yeah i'm not good at both yeah i tried i I bought sheet music recently and or or last year and i was trying to do bach (laughs) did i say that right um okay so (laughs) so your whole i I wanted to get where your family is so they're in the bay area and one's in chicago um and we cover all your brothers doctor business owner and what was the third one and then he's a consultant consultant Mm okay and if if somebody asks you what you did if they if you met a total stranger like what do you do would you say i'm a food writer or would you say i'm in finance i say i'm a i lead with food writer for i'm a sure. food writer yeah. okay yeah great you should it is yeah it's my passion and i do it for my job so um <laughs> you know really lucky i get to say that okay so you graduated ucla majored in political science yeah and was was it immediately like were you launched immediately into star e star la and uh, no because i thought that this um uh nine to five was going to be it for me so there's the same job that you got it's you started the same job wow so you've been doing it same, for a while like um uh, practically the same company that's just changed ownerships okay you Amazing. know but literally and then that's also like why it's like the golden handcuffs right yes. i've been there so long i have like a lot of vacation yeah that i that I can't let go. <laughs> you have steady income. I mean, that's really yeah, nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm a writer. I put that in quotes a little bit. You know, yeah. I, every so often I'll get a job and I'll make it. But yeah. I mean, you don't have it. You're filled with dread. You're totally. filled with panic. You yeah. start a podcast because you have no idea what to do with yourself. Yeah. Um, but, I'm in awe. Yeah. I'm impressed with Well, I mean, it, it is like living on the edge. Both my yeah. husband and I, because he's a director, it's like yeah. you don't know when your next paycheck is coming. Totally. And so it, it's like, but it does motivate you to keep writing things exactly. and creating things. But exactly. it is also scary. It is scary. So, Okay, so you um, started this job straight out of college. Yeah. And you yeah. said it's finance. So what, you majored in political science. So what led you to finance? It's funny because I never wanted to be like a lawyer or anything. I just chose political science uh-huh. because it was interesting. But I had unintended to do like be with money okay. <laughs> as a living because I had finance internships through college. So, I mean, I'm so, and this might bore people to death to like, to hear about it, but I I don't know, know, maybe not. Um, But like with doing finance Mm -hmm. is sort of about like investing in different, like, so like right now, you know, the coronavirus some stock markets are tanking. So it's sort of like, and that's because people are afraid that no one's going to travel and no one's going to use, you know, is that sort of how you think of, is that how you think about like, when you think about investing in things, you're looking at world events, you're looking at what's going on. Okay. But, um. I am, except maybe like the finance, the the products that we sell, we have a lot of retired clients. Okay. So a lot of it is like really conservative. I see. So not super volatile and like just income producing um, securities. Gotcha. So um, the those markets move slower than say like stocks. Uh-huh. But yeah, but everything is connected, right? So. Well, I'm curious to connect the dots between that and food because it, it's interesting because 
the restaurant culture that you're writing about is also a marketplace. Absolutely. And it's sort of like, you know, I just saw an article this week that was sort of like most LA restaurants are struggling more than people yes, realize. Yeah. And that, so, I mean, yeah. I guess a first question for you would be, would you ever invest in a restaurant? Is it always oh a bad, inv- is it always a bad investment? Man, that's hard. I think, I think no, it's a passion thing. Yeah. I think there has to be like, um, an acknowledgement that, you know, it's definitely, or, or someone's curious, I guess, you know, someone from like the inter- entertainment industry, they oh, take their money. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I've seen that happen. Totally. But they're yeah. also passionate about right. it. You know what I mean? But I mean, they like want... you as like a financial person, oh, though, yeah. like as in terms of the risk involved, like what it, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of risk. So like, I mean, would you take your own money ever and like put it in a restaurant or would that, it would have to be like the greatest chef in the world. It would have to be someone I really believed in uh-huh. and wanted to help. Okay. If I were in a, even a financial position to help someone, right. you know, right. But I, but, you know, it, seen. it's so funny because it's like my friend Diana and I love to cook and we're, you know, we're very close and we fantasized about opening a restaurant. Mm. But I, I think of the fantasy as like, Oh, I'll just have this like sunlit yeah. room and people hanging out and, yeah. I'll make my pasta and she'll make dessert. And we'll, But then it's like, oh, wait a second. You have a bunch of like Yelpers and you have a bunch of like yeah. angry people. And, you, ha- you know, it's like. What? You have to take the bad with the good, I guess. Yeah. All right. So you were doing finance. And then during all of this. Whoa, I just hit the microphone. Um, uh, I'm very gestury. Yeah. Uh, do you, did you, when did the interest in food really start for you? So the blog or I should say the Zanga. Or something. Yeah. It was a it was an escapism type. Okay. You know, tool. And what year was this? This was oh, I would say around oh three. Okay, that's exactly when I started my oh blog. Two thousand four. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. You went right for it. I did. Yeah. That's same. Good. Yeah. So two thousand three. Yeah. You started writing about food. Well, no, no, no. I was actually not even writing about food. I was was writing about mundane stuff. Right. But when did it become and then, food? So I think that was around 2006 okay. or five. And I would it? say 2005. And so, yeah, like about 15 years ago. And, um, yeah, I turned to food and I started getting invites because actually there weren't many blogs at all, right? I mean, you know this. So you had East RLA mm-hmm. and you were like, I'm going to write about food. But I guess yeah. I'm also asking like, wh- where did this interest come from? Why, oh, were, why were you wow. like, so, yeah, like, why were you suddenly interested in writing about food? It was, it was a real gradual thing because I, maybe I could only afford happy hours at the time. Okay. And I thought, and I was getting random traffic. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I want to have something to put out there. Okay. You know what I mean? And then I realized, okay, I'm getting more serious about this. I need a topic. I need... You know, so actually, if you, like, they're deleted now. But the very first <laughs> posts were still like a Zanga. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you're just going off what you know. So I turned to food. And then I started getting the invites after, like, doing happy hours and stuff. And then I was like, wow. And then, you know, I would generally make more money at my job. And then I could actually afford to post about lunches and or dinners that like but did you love food i mean were you a oh, passionate yeah. food person like, it's fun i yeah okay. i i it, it was it was just naturally something that it gives me a lot of pleasure i don't have any food allergies i've always like when traveling it's always been about like what is what is the thing to eat here uh-huh you know but like how at what age did the 
interest in food mm. start? Like, when did you start to really care about food oh, and pay man. attention to like chefs and pay attention to restaurants? You know, um, I think as the blog was progressing. Okay, so the blog kind of fed yeah. this interest. But it was interesting you said you you wanted to choose a subject because I, I actually went through the exact same thing. You did too. Which was that I used to write on all these like forums and things. Yes. I'm not going to say which ones because then people could find my old posts which are so embarrassing. <laughs> but um, I, I remember I wrote, I was in law school so I was miserable. I yeah. hated law school. Yeah. And I wrote a post on one of these forums and I wrote, how do I become an internet phenomenon? And it was sort of a joke. Like I was just like, well, how do I become an internet phenomenon? I like I, it. I I got to get out of here. And somebody was like, choose a single subject. Like, pick one thing that you're very passionate about and make a blog about that one thing. And it just so happened that I was also cooking at that time. I was like learning how to cook. Oh, awesome. And I just, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll just do a blog about learning how to cook. But it wasn't like, this is my passion and the only thing I care about Same. is food. Yeah, it was like, Same. oh, maybe food would be interesting. But it, it's, it sounds like it's also similar in that the more I blogged about food, the more it really did become my passion. And yeah. the more, like, and now it's sort of like, even when I'm not working in the food world at all, I'm still yeah. cooking. I'm still going to restaurants. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, because you want you don't want to sound like a dumbass. Yeah, right. <laughs> so hopefully you like know, you know, the basics or something. So when you started writing about food, what was the first thing that you wrote that really had an impact or mm. that you really were like, oh, I'm moving up the ranks here? You know, it's funny. There was a mix of neighborhood stuff going on. Okay. That, you know, going in, it wasn't totally just all food. Like one time I got mugged. Oh, no. And um, I wrote eight things I learned from getting mugged. Where, where were you when you got mugged? <laughs> I was, I had just moved into Hollywood. Okay. So it was like Las Palmas and like Fountain. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and. What happened? It was, um, you know, the parks, um, there are like a block, a block, you know, big, and then there are fences around okay. them. So it was like, I was passing one of those parks. And so um, it was. I was on the way to the farmer's market. <laughs> during the day? This happened during the day? Yeah, during the, it was, it was like sunny afternoon. Oh my God, on a Sunday? On a Sunday. What? And I'm walking and like, I think it's okay to have in headphones because whatever. But I did see a woman and she was on her phone. She crossed the street in front of me and then looked on her phone again. I was like, oh, that's weird. Why, why does she need to cross the street? She's just on her phone. And then I had passed the park and then I heard the footsteps and I kind of like knew so just running towards me from behind. And I just like instinctively went like this. Like I clutched my arm uh-huh. to my side with the purse. And then, yeah, she tried to grab it, keep running. And then she, since I was ready, she boomeranged back around to me. And she started like landing like punches. She started <laughs> punching you? Yeah, she's like... Give me your purse, bitch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. But I fought back. So did like, you hold on to it? I held on to it. I was wearing my glasses or on the ground by then. Mm-hmm. And then we're just, like, going at it and, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, whiplashing each other around. And then this white picket fence across the street is, like, right there. And then I I see people literally driving past us, you know. Really? But I know that every five second or every – Five seconds that I think pass probably only makes up for like half a second. Right. It feels time stops. Time totally slows. And so basically what happened was she gets behind me and then she tries to put me in a chokehold, but I bite down on her. (laughs) 
And then she ran away. So you held on to your purse? Yeah, she didn't get anything. Oh, my God. And there was a total getaway dude in a car. Really? Good for you. That's amazing. That's crazy. And then I, like, filed a report. But I was basically researching all these things about getting mugged or whatever. And one of the tips was, like, get renter's insurance. You would have been covered. You oh, know? is that true? Yeah. Oh, I just got totally. renter's insurance. So yeah. that's great. Maybe I'll oh, get mugged. Perfect. No, yeah. totally. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll but, stage a mugging. You can pretend to mug me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, actually, it's funny that you brought this up because one of the things that I was going to ask you about psychology-wise yeah. was your relationship to money mm. because it feels like a theme that's come up actually in l- little moments of our conversation when you talked about going to happy hours when yeah. you were in college and you talked about, I mean, you're in finance. Mm-hmm. and we So... I mean, what it, just based on like your family and them coming to America, like what yeah. is your relationship to money? My relationship to money. Um, That's a hard my, question. But my parents were very frugal. Okay. So I was used to like maybe not asking for a lot. You is, know, is this tied to the frozen pizza for lunch, or is that right? Is, is that was that part of the appeal of a frozen pizza? Is that it's yeah. cheap? Right, I and mean, you also said that it was from Vons, which is a cheaper yeah, grocery store. It is. So was that was that part of why you think that you said that it was from Vons? The thing it, the thing is that I mean, even with all the comps and you know, you know, the hosting and stuff like that, I mean, a, a large part. And I see on my American Express bill. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the percentages, they break it down for you, right? Yeah. Still a large part is bent on dining and yeah. drinking, you know. But do you, is that hard for you? I mean, I mean, you come from a frugal family. Is it difficult right. for you to spend a lot of money on food? Mm, it's not. <laughs> Was that something that you had <laughs> to... Like, it's, not, it's not something I carried with me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, is that something that was always true for you? Like, were you always able to like treat yourself to a nice meal or... Right. Yeah. Uh, not always. Yeah. Not always. Definitely not during college. Not like in my... Maybe definitely my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Probably not until my late 20s. And you were making money in yeah. this job. So was that was that sort of the idea was that I can spend my own money right. on this food. Yeah, totally. That's great. You have a great life. Thank you. Well, it's funny because you were like, I don't want to tell people what I do because it makes right, me, right. maybe they'll get jealous. Or maybe that's how this whole conversation started. Yeah, right. But like, I am jealous of you because it's like you kind of figured it all out. I mean, that's what my parents wanted for me. They were like, be a right. lawyer and then you can be a food writer. But I was like, I don't think I what can. What about do- the time? I know. I, I mean, know. do you like what you do? Do you like I, your job? I actually do like my nine to five. Great. Nine to four. Nine to four. (laughs) Well, 7.30. Oh, 7.30 to four. Oh, because you have to get up on New York time? Well, and if it were actually New York, I'd be there at six. Yeah, wow. So, uh, like I said, and that's the pros of having that um, more conservative customer base. Yeah. You know? So you... um, so you started this Easter LA, mm-hmm. you had your mugging pose, <laughs> yeah. but did you, I mean, what kind of stuff were you writing on it? I mean, were you writing reviews of restaurants? Were I you- was right. Yeah, I was, um, I was writing reviews. I was writing like actually personal experiences mm-hmm. more than reviews. Okay. And I always like, when I started getting invites, I made it a rule that whenever I would get comped, I would put on the bottom of the post that I got comped. So how do you handle that? So like, mm-hmm. I think I find it so uncomfortable to go to like an industry lunch or something where yeah. you're, you're invited by a chef and it's like, you know, the chef is there and they're like, you know, they're telling you about all the dishes and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, they want you to, to praise it. Right. But do you feel conflict within yourself when you're doing it? I mean, like for me, yeah. the conflict would be like, well, that actually wasn't very good. And that, right. and that actually don't really like this room. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. do you feel like you have to write about it when you go? No, I actually, um, you know, there are a lot of fam trips, like uh, the media trips that you were talking about yeah. um, when you're going to Louisiana. And a lot of them now require like play, like it 
you're going to write about it somewhere. Right. And I actually won't take those. So they, you take trips where they'll they give you the option to not write about it? Well, they never say that. I see. But I feel like I, I don't even know. Um, and I don't have like these buddy, buddy. I'm not an editor. Okay. <laughs> and um, I don't really have that relationship yet with any editor that's going to be like, Oh yeah, I'll place this, you know. Right. And also, I don't know what the angle is going to be, or if I'm actually going to truly like anything. So, what was the last trip that you took like like this? It's called a fam trip. Yeah. Why is it called a fam trip? Familiarization. To familiarize you with the subject. Yeah. I mean, I think the travel industry is is rife with this, right? I mean, people who write for the New York Times and stuff, do they take free trips or maybe not? They say that the New York Times writers aren't allowed to even have gone on like a trip for two years. I was told that actually, yeah. Because I pitched something and they were, and they saw that I went to Louisiana and they're like, oh. "You can't pitch." But yeah, but it, is but, that true for other publications? But the thing is, people have seen New York Times writers on trips, oh, so they just say this that is getting sneakier. very juicy. So I don't know. Well, how could they not? I mean, truthfully, like, yeah. how can you be a writer and on and, our writer's income? Yeah, a journalist, and then then pay for your trip to like Provence or something. It's like exactly. nobody can do that. No, nobody can do that. So, so what was the last one you took? Um, so it was Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm. So North. Oh no, it's Louisiana again. Yes. Did they make you eat um, seafood? I love seafood. No, I know, but like it wasn't from like the oil tainted waters. It wasn't waters. the seafood. It was actually the tour. I do like the tourism bureau ones yeah. because, and it's not like a hotel where obviously the, ho- you know, you're kind of just at the hotel. But, um, and was it just you or was it a group of people? There were like two other writers. Okay. One writer got six, so there would have been four of us. But Nice. Um, yeah. I'm glad she wasn't there. <laughs> what, what, what are some of the other um, trips that you took? Wait, why are you glad that she wasn't there? Oh, just because we, so we, she wouldn't be contagious. Oh, because <laughs> she was awesome. sick. I was she like, was maybe sick. you didn't like her or something. Oh, no, I don't uh, know who she was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. she's probably listening and crying right now. I know, right? Yeah, no. oh, Wait, God. what are some of the other places you've gone? I've been to Armenia. On a free trip? On a brandy trip. A brandy trip? Yeah. So, you know. Not brandy the singer. You mean like brandy the drink? Yeah, brandy okay. drink. Spirit. Okay, yes. the spirit. Right. Yeah, exactly. And they produce a whole ton that they sell to Russia. Really? Yeah. So you went to Armenia. Yeah. For how long were you there? It was, um, I think it was five days. It was a good trip. I got a free trip to Perth, Australia once to That's speak awesome. at a food blogging conference. <gasps> That's cool. That was actually a really easy one to take, though, because it was there was not really anything compromised about it. It was just like, come, come to Perth. Working. But they did want me to write nice things about Perth, and they had a tour guide from Perth. Like, oh, they take, did. Take, and they put me in a helicopter and took me to a Ooh, park. I mean, it is crazy. Jealous. Well, it's like they have this money. It's like these tourism bureaus get this money, and it's like they don't know how to spend it, so they bring influencers. Mm. But I, I, I have to say, part of my migration into TV writing and writing for film and stuff was wanting cool. to get away from the situation where I felt like I had to start taking these free things, nice. especially sponsored content, because I, I I won't say the brand, but there was one particular thing that I did towards the end of doing my blog where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And I think if people follow my blog, they'll know. It was a series of videos that I made with the product. That's all I'm <gasps> oh, going to say. Oh, I got you. And I was just sort of like, I can't do this. I don't, I don't feel good about it. But maybe it's different when you're cooking, too, because do you cook? I love to cook, but I'm so rusty because uh, I dine out so much. Yeah. And I live alone. So it's like, what am I going to do with these ingredients after I make one meal? Right. <laughs> and, and I'm out to dinner the next three days. Do you mind nights. if I ask, are you single? I have a boyfriend. You have a boyfriend. Yeah. So does he come with you to all these meals? Yeah. And on these trips too? Um, he. It's funny. We went on a trip a month and a half into dating. One of the free trips? One of the one of the familiarization trips, yeah. And, and was, you were able to get him to come to you? Yeah. Ooh. Well, it was only us, so it was actually ideal. And then he he's a photographer, 
So he took photos and like sold them back to the resort. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You guys are working it. Oh my gosh. I was like, I, I got to get pitching now. <laughs> it was funny because I have a friend and he maybe or maybe not has been on this podcast, but he's huge. He's got a huge following. Yeah. And so I went to Tokyo with Craig um, for New Year's and we, we, we paid for our own trip, but we didn't do anything for free. Everything was paid for by us. But he, this friend, was like, I'm going to try to get you into this swanky hotel nice. called the Hoshinoya, I think it was wow. called. And so he emailed them and then they looked at my followers and they were like, no, <gasps> you're not big enough. <laughs> so I didn't get it. But I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing though, like what you can get and how much. It I guess amazing. I guess it also speaks to the like how you know. I guess the question of trust, like what, for the people who don't say this was a sponsored post or this was a right, you know, right. Um, but do I you, mean, well, it, that was for blog posts. Now, now yeah. it's like on Instagram, and I think it's a mix. So I don't disclose on my Instagram posts whether they're oh, interesting. but but um, I can tell on your posts. Like for example, like I, I think okay, you went good. to. Did you go to Napa? Was that on Instagram or? Yeah. I've been to Napa like for a day trip. Before. Well, I just assume like I, okay, I saw that. I'm like, oh, so she probably got invited there. Oh, good. good yeah. Good. I mean, <laughs> I, I, but for you, I mean, it's interesting because I do think it's different writing about the, the things that you write about or the things you post about. I don't think that there's anything ethically compromised about it because it's like it's, it is transparent. It's sort of like good. I'm going to this place. Yeah. I may or may not have gone for free, but like here's a picture of it. This is the real good. picture. This is me holding a plate that the chef made. I mean, good. whereas with me, like I think the places where I felt compromised were like mm-hmm. I use this product in my cooking and it's like, well, oh, do I really use cooking. this product That's in my true. cooking? And, and, you know. Um, with the travel stuff, I, I guess I disclosed it. I, I just felt a little weird about some of I it. I hear you. I'm glad that you did something else that made you feel comfortable, you know. Well, do you feel it with you? I don't mean to be keep homing, honing in on this, but no, it's, it's kind of an inter- I think people would be really interested to hear about it. Because also, like, what you're doing, every, most people who are listening to this, I guarantee you, wish they could figure out how to work it in oh, a way that man. they got these things. So if you, were giving, if you were giving them advice, though, like, how do you even get started getting invited to these things? Man, it's so... It's like it was a different time, you know, um, and it's so saturated now. Right. With influencers. By influencers. And and um, and actually Instagram is like a side thing because I like I most enjoy writing. Yeah. You know, so that it's I feel like it's like diversify because I'm also on Twitter, you know. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? And I, it's kind of like be really good at many different things, mm-hmm. you know, and um you know, if you want a blog or whatever, you happen to know, you know, a good designer or something, do that. But then you should date be, them. Yeah, you should date them. <laughs> yeah. But be good at the pictures. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, yeah. Well, also for you, I mean, I think that I imagine that writing for the LA Times and writing for Food and Wine give, yeah. puts a feather in your cap so that when people are for considering sure. you, are like, oh, she's a journalist and she yeah. writes for these places. Yeah. I mean, do you feel, do you ever feel weird about it or, or do you not feel weird about it? I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll drop the subject, but I'm just curious. No, I, uh, I've worked up to this point. So yeah. actually, so. You it know. feels like you earned it. Yeah, it does feel somewhat like I earned it. But, um, but there's also like just. Don't be too lavish. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, do you pay for yeah. your own trips too, right? Or your yeah. own meals? Yeah, I do. And well, I'm tell us about like, that. tell us about like a typical week for you. I mean, like, so you right. go to work from, uh, you said 730, 730 to 4. To 4. And then what happens? Um, if it's like a Monday, then, you know, uh, 
friends in restaurants aren't working a lot of times, so maybe I'll meet up. <laughs> Do you have friends in restaurants that are working? <laughs> well, that are not working on Mondays. Oh, know? I see. But- you know, so if they're, you know, I'll. It, that's a good night to go out as far as like having a bartender friend. You know, uh-huh. or- do you have a lot of friends those friends that work in the restaurant industry? Um, not a lot, not a lot. But that's just the day. Yeah, that I'll see them. Yeah. But do you, you, I'm sure you've met like all of the oh, LA yeah. chefs I mean, and all the people. We all, yeah, we all kind of like know each other. It's yeah. no matter whether we hang out with uh-huh. each other. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what do you, what do you think of what's going on right now in the restaurant industry with oh, the Me Too man. stuff? I mean, like, were there chefs that you encountered in the past who have now been sort of exposed and that you feel bartenders? Different? Yeah. 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 Chefs, like, yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's, yeah. People that you knew, you personally. remember, you know, and just I don't know, maybe things that that were off or like, yeah, or like you know, don't go to Cafe Stella or something like that. Oh yeah, because like that guy was mm-hmm. was like being inappropriate with yeah. the women there. Yeah, yeah. Does that affect how you write about places? Um, I have not gone places um, that. Yeah, I've I tend to avoid like whatever it is that my comp- whatever I happen to know, and I obviously don't know everything and then someone a friend recently told me she's like esther like everyone is bad (laughs) (laughs) really yeah and so now i'm like well i can only help you know what i know so i can only act upon that and that friend like was talking about the restaurant industry yeah i was talking about the restaurant industry (laughs) that's fascinating yeah well it's sort of like it sort of feels like politics too it's sort of like we want to believe that like all of our favorite politicians are saints and it's sort of when you find out things and it's sort right. of like, don't meet your heroes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time. Esther. I can't believe right. it. This like flew by, it did. but did we like Thank get you. into your psychology enough? I mean, I, th- I thought, yeah. it was, well, I thought the good. assimilation stuff was really interesting yeah. and, um, and hearing about your parents and hearing mm-hmm. about, but I, I want to know before. So I always end every podcast with what are you having for dinner tonight? But we won't get to that just yet. Cause okay. I want to hear just in general, like, if you were talking to someone who's coming to L.A. for the first time, where right. would you tell them to go eat? Oh, man. Since you eat out all the time. What are some of your favorite places right now, maybe, is mm. a better way to ask that? I like Rosso Blue. Okay, that's the Italian place downtown. Yes. That's from the, is it the Bolo- Bologna that the food is from? Oh, um, Bologna. Bologna. Yeah. yeah. Bologna. I think, yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and so, uh, and so that you like that restaurant, yeah. What I do like you like that about restaurant? it? Restaurant, I like. Um, it's just really good on flavors, and it's a it's a pretty space. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it. It's nice. It's airy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, what else do you like? Um. Uh, besides Joy and Pine and Crane. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of want to order Pine too. and Crane tonight. It I sounds know, so good. Ta- talking about it so much. Um, I, you know what? I love going to barbecue rice. <laughs> oh yeah. Where is that? It's a, in East Hollywood. Is it on Sa- Santa Monica Boulevard? There's one on Santa Monica, but there's also one on Sunset. And what is it? And it's literally like $8 to like $12 rice bowls. Okay. And, and <laughs> Anyone who follows me on Instagram, like knows I'm there all the time. You go there all the time. All the time. We should tell people who you are on Instagram. You're East Star LA. I am. And now everyone understands that too. And, exactly. And the significance of it for you. Exactly. All right. Well, what are you having for dinner tonight? Oh man. I'm going out with John tonight. That's my boyfriend. Joy, John, your boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I have no idea. We, sometimes we just do like a simple like Honda Yakatori night or whatever. But Wait, where's that? That's um it's like an old school little Tokyo place and it's super cheap. 
and you know you can get away with like twenty five bucks a person, including beer. You That's know? amazing. It's pretty. It's we old went school. to um, bar restaurant last night, yeah, which was, was it? delicious. The food was great, but the Good. cocktails really got got us because it's like that's how they really ramp are up they the 16? bill. Yeah, they are sixteen. Yeah, sixteen dollar cocktails, oh which you know, Craig had like a martini, I had like a Negroni, but like, right. And then we, I think we had like a second round, and then you know, the bill was like, what? How did it get so yes. expensive? The food was very good. Okay. Good. Like, yeah, that's what I've heard, that the food is really good. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. So your boyfriend's name is John. Mm-hmm. And what's he like? He um, He's great. <laughs> <laughs> he's originally from Orange County. Okay. And, um, yeah, he um, is a photographer, and he also manages the bar at the American Legion. Really? The Veterans uh, Association. Wow, yeah. that was an unexpected. Not veterans Club, I should say. The Soho House of Veterans. Oh, when, you said, when you said he bartends at, I was like, oh, are you going to say like right. Spago or something? No, <laughs> no, yeah. I the American know. Legion. So do you ever go there and like and have a drink while he's bartending? Yeah, so if you ever like to go. Where is it? It's um on... Highland, all the way on the way up to the Hollywood Bowl on okay. the west side of the street, and it's the one that got that has a cannon in front of it. Oh. And like Ghost Hunters has been there twice. Really? Yeah. So he bartends at the American Legion. Yeah. How did he wind up doing that? He's had that job for a long time. So I, he basically the previous bartender handed it off to him. <laughs> That's a fascinating. I feel like that should be a TV show. Like, like it's almost pretty like great. Cheers for like, veterans. veterans. Yeah. How old, are most of the veterans older? Like in their seventies, so eighties. They're mostly like World War Two up through you know Vietnam, Korea, yeah. Iraq. And he talks to them and hears their stories. And stuff. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you have the same suspects as well, uh-huh. as well as the same drinks. You know, oh, right, right. they don't really deviate. It's not like craft cocktails. You so know he's not I mean? making like a so, right. chamomile infused. You know, exactly. Whatever. With his own syrups does he make you cocktails at home <laughs> he doesn't oh I, we like i like neat at home you know what i mean just you like it neat at home neat yeah just like spirits oh spirits and yeah, yeah. I tell you, like, yeah you, want, like, you don't want anyone like messing with your stuff yeah i guess because i i save cocktails for the experts yeah <laughs> craig is very cute because he oh. at dinner parties like wants to make cocktails because i'm doing all the cooking but it, it's, it's funny because like he'll like i'll let him do it that's a funny thing that I just said. I'll let him do I'll it. I revealed that. Um, but I, um, what's funny about it is that he comes into the kitchen and I, I try to be cool. Like I'll go in the living room and sit with the guests. Yeah. But like he makes a mess. Like he'll, that's why he said neat. It's like, he'll like leave all the bottles open. He'll like slice lemons. And then like, I'll come back in to like, we have to get the dinner going. And it's like, it's a, it's a disaster zone. That's hilarious. Um, well, so before we end though, so tonight, so you're going to do something with him. You might just do something yeah. casual. Or I'm thinking, um, I want to check out Ototo. And do their burger. Oh, what is that? So it's the sister sake bar, Titsubaki. Oh, yeah, I came up this uh, last week. My Tsubaki. friends that went to Japan with us wanted to go there, but I heard it's really crowded. That's very true. You can, I think you can still make a reservation. Oh, but Tsubaki you can. For but Tsubaki, not Ototo. Yeah, but you might go there. I might go there. Wow. So, I mean, you're, I mean you eat dinner every night out at a restaurant? Mm, try not to. But John also likes to. Oh. So we enable each other. Do you guys have a spot that's like your favorite place to go? Mm. Do you not want to reveal that here? You know, we like to go to Tsubaki a lot. We both like, because he used to live downtown and I live in East Hollywood. So it was like a good central meeting point. That's great. I like I liked it there a lot. I went there yeah. before I went to Japan. So I don't think I fully mm. understood it. Right. But now that I've been to Japan, I think I could go back and really appreciate that's it. That's why you went to Japan. Yeah. It was, that's amazing. Is Tsubaki an, an izakaya? Is that sort of the idea? Yeah, it's like an izakaya, but it's like 
Californified. Yeah. No, the food was really good there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Esther, this was so nice to get to meet you. Nice Did you feel good you. about it? Yeah, I felt I feel really good. Oh, good. It's like a <laughs> therapy session. Thank you. Cool. Well, I'll see you at Dinosaur Coffee. All right. I'll All right. see you there. Now I know to go up to. Yeah, you know, now I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not a cartoon anymore. Exactly. Your avatar. All right. Thanks, Esther. <laughs>